Hello and welcome back to the Cafe Binge podcast. I am so excited to be back podcasting today and I am even more excited to bring you today's conversation with Nadine Artemis. However, before I get into today's podcast, I have my sister on with me and we're going to be sharing a little bit about a project we've been working on. Now, you probably remember my sister. She was on my podcast back in February of 2019, and we talked all about her background as a clinical therapist specializing in the treatment of eating disorders. I would suggest going back and listening to that podcast because that will really preface the project we've been working on. I teased this project last week on my Instagram, but Liz and I have created a brand new course, a course that I'm so, so, so very excited about and a course that I think is so very needed. Our course is called The Alchemized Body, A Guide for Intention-Fueled Eating, and it's a course where we combine our experience and our expertise and our medicine, the medicine that has helped both Liz and I heal our relationships with our body and with nutritionism and with food. So before we get into the course details, I'm going to let Liz introduce herself. Hi, I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to talk a little bit about the course that we've created um, because it's something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Uh, disordered eating is something that I've struggled with personally, but it's something that I've been focused on professionally for over a decade uh, in both the weight loss world and the eating disorder world. Um, I've worked clinically uh, with eating disorders in a treatment center. Um, I've also, over the last several years, uh, been researching the underlying causes of disordered eating and obesity, and also the effects um, of these behaviors um, and how we go about treating them in a better way. The, The reason that I went into academia after being a clinician was because I recognized that the tools that we're using right now to deal with these challenges that people face really broadly. Uh, Obesity is incredibly common. So is disordered eating. Uh, When we look at prevalence reports, they range uh, to up to 67% of college-age women exhibit subclinical disordered eating behaviors. Um, It's really common. Um, Women broadly are dissatisfied with their bodies, and that's certainly true for men as well. But that prevalence among women is almost 98% of women who are dissatisfied with their bodies. And you guys, I think it actually is that high or higher. Uh, The other day on my Instagram, I did a few polls and a few different stories asking, one, have you ever been on a diet, a meal plan, uh, a lifestyle change? I put in all of these words. Uh, The second one was, have you ever been dissatisfied with your body, wanted to change something? I also asked if... A New Year's resolution had ever been to lose weight or get skinnier uh, or be healthier. And then the last thing that I asked was what different food fears people had. And because my followers are 99.9% women, um, I was able to see all of the results. And it's crazy that 
among thousands of women who voted on these polls, it was like 97 or 98%. Everyone said yes. Everyone has struggled with body image issues. Everyone has tried a diet. Uh, Everyone has wanted to lose weight for a New Year's resolution. So chances are, if you're listening to this, then you fall under the umbrella of those 98% of women who have tried a diet, many diets, and they've all failed. Nothing has worked for you and you're still living within that cycle of stress, uh, stress around food and coping and body dissatisfaction. And we often feel and believe that changing these things about ourselves really is just a matter of willpower. Um, But I... I recognize clinically that so often these cultural narratives that we have around health and bodies and nutrition are ideologies, they're beliefs, and these are not rooted in truth. In fact, these ideologies really compound and create the very uh, problems that they aim or purport uh, to solve. So I would suggest you go back and listen to our podcast episode all about intuitive eating because that's going to provide some framework for where we're coming from. However, Liz and I have both found our own medicine when it comes to healing our relationships with our bodies and with food and learning what it means to be an intention-fueled eater and to become an alchemist when it comes to your body and your relationship with food. So the course we've created is absolutely informed by um, all of my clinical experience, all of my experience as a researcher and professor working in academic settings, um, examining um, a lot of these issues um, in a psychophysiological lab. Um, But really, this course is about our own um, spiritual processes as well, the journeys that we've taken, the medicine that we've found that has been the most effective for us. Because what I can tell you is that our tools that we're using clinically right now are not effective. Uh, They are not meeting the goals that we set out to to meet uh, for our patients. And so what I'm passionate about is finding methods that are more effective, that we're not just doing the same thing and expecting different results. Uh, so this, this course is really things that we found personally um, to be effective. This is a course for those who are ready to step off of the dieting hamster wheel, for those ready to make peace with their body and step into greater love, for those who are ready to rewrite their stories about food and their bodies, constructed by the ideology of nutritionism and the wellness industry. It's a course that will implement practices and techniques to help you tap into your own alchemical power as a quantum creator. This is a course for those ready to reclaim their energetic sovereignty and meet the highest version of themselves. Alchemization really is a spiritual, psychological, and physical process that enables us to burn away everything other than our authentic selves and learn how we we become the means of both literally and spiritually taking in matter and transforming it into pure energy, light, love, and joy. I absolutely believe 
from my professional and clinical perspective that you are a healer. You are already what you wanna become. It really is just a matter of burning away what's not actually you, those stories that have been programmed into you that you've internalized and realizing that you have the power to take the matter of this earth school into your body and transform it into love and light. You are absolutely an alchemist. So this course is going to be different than any I have offered before in that it is a 10-week live course, which means that we're going to be going through it together. Once you enroll in the course, you will have access to the first week's material on December 13th, 2020. And after that, each week's material will be made live on the Sunday that precedes it for the next 10 weeks. Um, another thing that contributes to this live course is that there will be a weekly coaching call with Liz and I every single Monday at 7 p.m. Um, and these coaching calls are going to provide you with support where you can ask questions, um, where you can share your experience, and where you can connect with other members of the course and also learn new practices that we'll be sharing each week. If this course is right for you, if it will serve your highest good, I trust that you're going to receive the ping, the intuitive hit that it's meant for you. And we're so excited to meet those of you who are ready for this, who are ready for this transformation and who are ready for this medicine. Uh, the course enrollment opens this week, Wednesday, December 2nd at 555 p.m. and that is mountain time. This is not a course that's going to teach you how to get skinny or teach you what to eat or teach you a new diet or lifestyle change. It's not about what we eat at all. This course is about who we are as eaters and what the research is demonstrating is that who we are as eaters is at least as important as what we eat, if not more important. You can be eating the quote unquote healthiest food available and not have it be working to your health and happiness and well being. Alternatively, you can have an open approach to food and change who you are as eater and have all of the food that you take into your body be working for your highest good and happiness. This course is all about becoming an alchemist and we are going to explore the depths of what that means throughout the 10 weeks that precede the course. We're so excited to meet you. We're so excited for those of you who are ready and we trust that you'll make it there if it's right for you. I will, of course, be posting lots of details on my Instagram at Cafe Binge. Uh, throughout the week as this course enrollment opens. So check it out there. Listen to the podcast episode I did with Liz in 2019. And more than anything, trust your gut. Trust that your intuition will guide you to where you're meant to be. Now, without further ado, we are going to get into today's conversation with the wonderful Nadine Artemis. You guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Nadine Artemis today. This is an interview I have been looking forward to since I started my podcast. Ever since I started podcasting and interviewing people, I knew I wanted Nadine on the show. She is my ultimate beauty guru, especially when it comes to natural and holistic beauty. 
Um, this is coming from a place of me being a master esthetician for the past decade and going to aesthetic school and having so many stories told to me about skincare and what it meant to have healthy skin and what you had to do to promote uh, anti-aging and cell turnover and youth and youth and youth and perfection and perfection and perfection. Um, and I was really taught out of trusting my own medicine and trusting the medicine of mother nature. And what I mean by that is that I was taught that medical grade chemical filled skincare was the only way to go. That was the only way to promote youth. That was the fountain of youth. Um, Botox, that was the fountain of youth. And it never sat well with me. Another thing that never sat well with me was that the sun, the sun was the biggest ager we would ever come across. The sun was evil. You needed to wear SPF 50. Um, you needed to wear SPF on your hands, on your neck, on your face. Whenever you went outside, wear a hat, take an umbrella. Um, because if you wanted to stay young, you got to stay out of the sun. And it never made sense to me because... Why does laying in the sun feel so good? Why does it feel so healing? Why does it feel so good to have a sunny glow, to have a sunny tan? Uh, why do we want to just lay on rocks like lizards and soak up this beautiful vitamin D? How can it be so wrong if it feels so good? That sounds like a song lyric or something. But it's true, I never understood why every living thing in the natural world, why the sun was good for every other thing but for humans. I didn't understand why dogs and cats loved laying in the sun and it was so good for them, but it was somehow bad for me. I didn't understand how sun was so good for plants, but it wasn't good for me. And then I heard about the gospel of Nadine Artemis and I researched and researched and dove really deep into all of her wisdom. And uh, the wisdom that she shared about the sun and the healing powers of the sun and heliotherapy and how as a society we've forgotten about heliotherapy and the wonderful benefits, the wonderful healing that comes from the sun. As well as teaching about the benefits of heliotherapy, Nadine is a well of knowledge overflowing with things about wellness, about healing, about skincare, um, about oral health, and really effective natural oral health. Uh, Nadine Artemis is the creator of Living Libations, one of my longtime favorite brands of skincare. If you follow me on social media, you've probably seen me post about Living Libations. Uh, the Sea Buckthorn Oil, the Rose Glow Oil, the Doodab, um, her oral health line. You guys, it's magical. It's magical. It is the most beautiful array of oils and aromatherapy of really potent and healing 
herbal-infused essential oils. It's one of my favorite lines to date, and there is something so different about it. In our conversation, we get into why her line is so different, but Living Libations is a game changer. It's a line of serums, elixirs, essential oils that nurture our beauty, that enhance our immune systems, and promote healthy, good oral care. Nadine has been so profound for me in her work on changing the perception of beauty and uh, changing the focus off of our external bodies and off of this veneer that we've created. Her focus is on fostering that inner beauty that is already ours. The beauty industry would tell us that we need to do things um, to achieve beauty. But Nadine's message is that we're already beautiful. It's already ours. We are not separate from it. It's all about seeing it, recognizing it, fostering it, and really tapping into that beautiful essence that we already are. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know Nadine. It was one of the biggest honors of my life to talk to her, to interview her, and to get her take on so many things I was curious about. I know you guys will love Nadine as I did, and I'm so excited for this conversation. Let's get to the show. My best self, but I'm That's so okay. excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to talk to you about all of the things. Um, where are you located? We are in Canada, in Ontario, about uh, two and a half, three hours north of Toronto. Okay, amazing. For some reason, I thought that you were in California. I think because you have that shop in Venice. I'm like, yeah. I think she's... Yeah. And we go there so, a lot, so people think that. Where are you? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, yeah. Nice. So you yeah. just moved there, like, within Utah, or is it yeah. a new... Yeah, we yeah. moved, like, 20 minutes away. So, yeah, right. it's just all <laughs> the crazy... I mean, 2020 has been the craziest year yet, so, like just add a move on top of it. So anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well beautiful. Nadine, I'm so happy I have the chance and opportunity to talk to you. Um a little bit of background on me and kind of my tribe. Um so I went to aesthetic school. Oh yeah. Um about 10 years ago and through my Instagram and through my channel and through my podcast, I talk a lot about beauty. And it's been the most interesting transformation because I think the people that started with me on the journey, how we started was like all of the programming that I adopted from aesthetic school, right? Right. And then I noticed a shift within myself where like things didn't quite make sense anymore. Um because in aesthetic school, what you're taught, it's kind of like doctors going to medical school. They learn medicine. So in aesthetic school, I learned chemicals, right? Yeah, yeah. Chemicals were the only way. Um, the sun was bad. Like you wanted to stay out of the sun. And if you were going to go into the sun, you could like put some more chemicals on your face to protect yourself, right? Yeah. And after a while, it just stopped. Like it didn't click anymore. And I couldn't figure out why. Every like natural living thing thrived in the sun, but somehow humans, it was bad for us. Um, and I couldn't figure out like, well, why does it feel so good to be in the sun? Like if it's so bad, why does it feel so good? Right. Um, and like, and just the programming of like, you needed to put chemicals on your skin that would cause discomfort. Right. Mm -hmm. And like through that pain, you would damage your skin and then your skin's natural, like 
you know, repairing system would turn on. It just didn't make sense anymore. Um, And so, yeah, like a few years ago, I kind of went through my own like awakening of what it meant to be Mm. beautiful and like how how that's not so um, narrow, right? Like I feel like in the West, it's such just like narrow-minded thing that like this and this and this and this mean beauty. Yeah. And so I mean, I went to a beauty school. So it was like, I'm learning all of these things. And through that, like my Instagram community, like my tribe, my podcasting community, like the courses that I teach, they all kind of transformed as well. And I started noticing like the most beautiful people Mm -hmm. that I'd ever met. It had nothing to do with like, you know, the chemical pill that they got. It was like this beautiful, like lit from within glow. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to figure out like, a new skincare option because as estheticians are taught skincare, right? All of this is to say that I was introduced to you and your, line, and your oral health line, um, living libations, and it transformed like my life and my skin. And then I also read your book. Oh. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. I, I feel like it was honestly like a spiritual experience, especially in that first chapter, you offer that prayer of gratitude and just mm-hmm. repeating that every day. Like, it changed the way that I viewed myself. It was like an actual physical change in me. Like I, you know, like I didn't look the same anymore Mm -hmm. just from viewing beauty in a whole different way. So because of that, a big intro, (laughs) I'm excited for my community to get to know you because I feel like you were a huge catalyst in my journey. Oh, that's so beautiful. (laughs) I mean, it was a beautiful transformation, but it's true. Like, and, and it can be that for every single person. So I wanted to know, where did it start? Like, where did your journey start? And how, or did you always have this kind of like bird's eye view of the whole system where you're able to like, you know, tap out of the programming that we're all downloading? So where did your journey start? Even well, before the libations. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, it's interesting because like yourself, I mean, different journey, but like yourself, I'm a beauty school dropout too. but not from like I I didn't go to a school per se but I feel like our society's beauty school so to speak so um, you know as a child I was lucky to have some pretty extensive nature experiences like we had a cottage and I had grandparents so I got to spend like you know full summers just rambling around the woods and by the lake and and so it's a small thing in a way but it just really was a beautiful uh, background to my childhood that I really felt like somehow just like really impressed upon me you know whether it was just staring at the moss or crushing petals to me there was just so much to mother nature so to speak um, and then as a teen I was like pretty classic you know it was uh, lots of bottles lots of makeup like so Cover deep. girl like yeah. I felt like that was like you know there was school and crushes and makeup. You know? Magazines, yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um, at 16, I get, you know, the, this classic subscription to Vogue. So, yeah, so it's a very classic journey just surrounded by bottles. And those bottles were, you know, nothing natural was going on there at all. Um, and then I got to, a chance to do a science fair project. Where this was I, in high school or when grade was nine yeah okay. high school grade nine and I was thinking about what to do and I was at the library and this book I just found this book about making cosmetics and it was like really you know it was geared towards a younger audience it's very easy to read and the chapter on perfume especially spoke to me 
um, cause I didn't know where with all this perfume that I had, I had all these bottles. I didn't really get where it was coming from. And just to read the history now, those modern bottles have nothing to do with the ancient history, but it really grounded it in. And I was like, oh, they're from flowers and press and it's through a distillation method and the, it makes essential oils. And what you'll find today is something called essential oils. And you may be able to find them at a health food store. So my mom, we drove to the health food store in the big city and there I was smelling for the first time, you know, things like jasmine and ylang and lemongrass it was, you know, very special what was going on in my nose. I didn't know at that point. I'm like, oh, so this is natural and now there's stuff synthetic. It was not that clear cut at all, but it definitely spoke to me and it was definitely smelling different than anything I'd smelled before. So I did the project. I, you know, had the little, little science fair booth and uh, remade L'Air de Temps, um, which is like this perfume by Nina Ricci. And I did super well. And that was just a really exciting moment. I continued on my way. Um, you know, greener things were available, like the body shop and stuff, which I thought was like, you know, so by the time I'm 18. <laughs> it's in a green package. How is <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it did have a different texture and a different palette of scent than sort of the classic, you know, Christian Jew or poison and that kind of stuff. So um, so I'm 18 and I'm using that and stuff. And now I'm at university and I'm really understanding food and where it comes from and how it's connected to the environment and how food is connected to health, which is so common right now. But back then that was, this is, a, you know, in the nineties and it was no, not food wasn't you know, medicine. Medicine was medicine. Yeah. 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 It was big pharma, big supermarket, um, you know, things like artisan cheese. I mean, it did exist, but it, you know, it didn't really exist. Um, and so it was really neat. And I would walk by this health food store every day. It was just a little, little one in a house on like a residential street, but thank God that was there. And I, it was called grains and beans and things. And I bought every bean and every book. And I was really looking at, you know, uh, books written by naturopaths and then just seeing like, Oh my God, if you have a headache, you could do X, Y, and Z, and maybe it's connected to constipation or, you know what I mean? So just kind of, or stomach ache, like simple things that I had experienced health-wise. It was like all of a sudden there was a whole new world of solutions, a whole new world of plants, a whole new world of food. Like I was even, which I think was pretty early for the time, like making nut milks out of cashew. Like I would find some woman teaching special recipe making in the back of the library at the time. Like, I don't even know how it all came together, but you know, I was really undoing food and understanding how to read a label and seeing that, you know, secondary ingredients are not included in that soup can or that healthier cereal may be filled with these things that are akin to like, you know, not essentially cardboard, but kind of like a, a, a waste matter that we don't really want to be eating, you know, or like brown sugar is just white sugar with molasses. I mean, just these things were pretty revolutionary back then. And then I was like, hey, what am I putting on my body? This is all like in the period of a month. And then I realized, you know, the fuzzy peach oil had never been in peach. The cucumber face toner had never seen a cucumber. Mm -hmm. And so it was from then on, I was like, okay, I'm going to make my own stuff. And how fun is this? Yeah. So I just started, you know, mixing and pouring and 
yeah. finding a raw material. Did you ever have, like, as a teenager, was your skin problematic? Like, was there anything that you were trying to target with that skincare, all of those bottles that you bought? Or was it just this idea of beauty that you're like, this Gen- is what I need to do? Yeah, generally it was, like, really into the beauty part. You know, I did a little bit of modeling. I mean, it was just such deep, deep, like, makeup. I felt like I was into makeup and bottles up to my eyeballs. And I loved giving my friends makeovers and that kind of fun stuff. I did get, like, zits and acne from time to time. And actually what's interesting is I, I remember I had this drawing or I just sort of drew an outline of my face and then I would like uh, indicate where they came and when they came up again. So it's kind of like mapping out yeah. this sort of like trying to see a pattern there. So I just thought that was interesting. I don't know where it led, but it's neat because I do like seeing the patterns and that sort of part of like um, seeing th- how things are connected and the patterns is sort of like how I understand and even how I formulate, you know, in a way, it's like part of the information that's, that's going in. Yeah, absolutely. So then how did that translate into like, I think I can really help people with this? Or was it just yeah. saying that there was a need? Well, so then I started making my own stuff. And, and then there was a few things that led to that. So I was also in university and very thankful to be in, in women's studies. And so uh, that was fun because the first year I couldn't get in to the courses I wanted. So I was kind of bored, but that's actually what started me making cosmetics and stuff. Cause I was bored, but then I got in and it was so fascinating. Cause it's like for, you know, for a degree, we got to study like, like some of our textbooks were the beauty myth or our bodies ourselves looking at the, the horrors of IUD or the side effects of birth control pills. I did a project on midwifery where I interviewed midwives. You know, I did papers on Madonna. I did my thesis on the female orgasm. I was looking at like the history um, of female bodies in different cultures, you know, from foot binding to genital mutilation to practices that we were doing in the West. And you know, and then, you know, from uh, women taking thalidomide to ex- excessive hysterectomies and what thyroidectomies. Is thalidomide? Uh, thalidomide was that it was in the 60s and a lot of women were prescribed it during pregnancy for uh, nausea. Interesting. And the side effects, the birth defects that came out of out of that were really quite phenomenal. And uh, luckily, I think, believe it was President Kennedy listen to this kind of lone woman's voice in the FDA, you know, and they, and they did, they did ban it. But, you know, again, it was just one of those stories of like, this is what women need. And, you know, and then dealing, having to live with the devastating effects of all that, you know, not to mention, you know, trying to prevent women from best breastfeeding and giving them like estrogen after they give birth so that their milk dries up. And, you know, I mean, just the, the story of women's bodies in our culture alone is not a positive one. No, we so were like, really, ta- we were taught how to like not be in our bodies, you know, and not connected totally. to our bodies. Right. And, and then all, all the stuff that sort of comes out of us is seen as, you know, as the abnormal because throughout history, um, you know, m- the male body has been seen as the norm and then anything that differentiates. So even like, you know, part of my thesis was, you know, the male orgasm is very obvious, and women's haven't been. So there's been a whole bunch of mystery uh, surrounded it that has led to, you know, inaccurate things, for example. And so, yeah, so just so much is based on that. And obviously, you know, we have That's so menstruation Wait, and breastfeeding. This is so off topic, <laughs> yes. but why do okay. you think, just with that orgasm thing, yeah. why, do you, why do you think that women's are less obvious? 
Well, visually, we're taught. Well, visually, you know, excuse the terminology, but there's not the quote unquote money shot, which is an expression that's not positive, but used in the pornography industry because visually there's something. And so women's women can have an orgasm without fluid sometimes. And, you know, so there's different things. It's not this visual Thing, okay. You know, we're not getting yeah. too many details, but obviously, not like, yeah, there's <laughs> they're right. The proof that that the man has orgasmed is is more okay. obvious. Not saying, not saying like it is more obvious, but back or whatever. In many eyes, it seems like the more obvious thing has occurred. So much so that they thought, you know, a woman even had to have an orgasm to conceive a child. I mean, there was just so many. Wow. You know, obviously, we didn't get orgasms right. Because I don't think we still have in our perception and history. So to me, it was just really further seeing, you know, even just if looking at the beauty myth alone and how, you know, as synthetics um, came more and more in this past century and as it came more into our daily lives, like even in our household and and every part of our body started being marketed to, even Bill Bloss, the designer who came out with some kind of vaginal cleansing douche product or powder or something. I quote him in my book as I have a whole chapter dedicated to vaginal health. Um, and I don't have the direct quote, but it was like, hey, if we can create fear and insecurity in a certain area when we ha- it's untapped market, then let's mm-hmm. do it, right? So that part of our bodies, Oof. right? It's it the, breaks the my heart actually. Oh, it's crazy. So when you receive all that, and then at the same time, I'm like understanding how we can care for our bodies simply and without chemicals. To me, it just merged. And so as I'm studying all this, again, I'm still in my. Luckily, I did. I chose to live by myself first year, which is also unusual. But I so it's great because I had my own little pad. I had this little, little cottage in the back in somebody's backyard. And so I was able to fit my kitchen with, you know, all the blenders and beakers and raw materials. And I started making like lip balms and perfumes and body oils and a a fun product called waitress legs uh, to prevent spider veins and friends and family just really bought it and kept buying it and really build my confidence up that I was like oh I, I think this is that good. is changing yeah yeah and then it was still like as I was going to university finding all these beautiful raw materials from all over the world so I was doing a lot of research in those areas and writing letters all over the world so that I could find uh, raw materials and essences that I that I'd never inhaled before and just had to get a whiff of what that was like in ancient culture or why they were putting this with that and why people seem to be entranced with certain fragrances. So I was doing all that and then uh, then it was graduation time. I was about 20, I was 22. And then within six months of graduation, I opened up North America's first full concept aromatherapy store in North America. And I uh, had a blending bar where we would make fresh perfumes and also sell special essential oils by the drop. So that was super fun. So that oh was sort goodness. of the beginning of the next phase. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, though. But I love how connected and tapped in you are because I think you're teaching women, everyone, everywhere to be connected, right? Connected with our bodies as women. Just like I was saying, like we've been taught to be so disconnected from our bodies and things that we kind of have to hide or totally yeah and really and and all humans really like for sure women but if we go back I mean it's just been I kind of think of like sometimes I blame Descartes right because he Rene Descartes in the that era of um of our history where he really was separating the mind from the body 
mm-hmm. and seeing them as separate things. And really, that's a deep part of the philosophical foundation of, of Western cultures. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like we're just, everything we're doing these days is to bring that connection back. Yeah, reconnect with ourselves, like, and our bodies and what our bodies mm-hmm. are telling us, right? Because mm-hmm. I think so often when our body's telling us something, instead of seeing it as like, it's communicating with us, like even acne, people are yes. like, how do I get rid of my acne? I'm like, well, what is it telling you first? Yeah. Like, yeah. where's that coming from, right? To reconnect with our bodies and what are what they're telling us. And then to reconnect with nature, you know, we've yeah. been so like, closed off and like shut her out and looked for like man-made things you know to try to fill us up when like I think that's why I love your message in your book is it's just like the world and like society will teach you that like beauty is unattainable like you can do this and this and this but then you're gonna hate this and this and this right it's unattainable it's it's like way ideal but slightly they keep it in the attainable realm because they think if you just do this and this you'll look like this Right. Right. Just this cream, this one more thing, and then it will be over and then you'll look like that. And then you can play with these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, it's all a lie, right? It's (laughs) all a lie. And your message is always like, there's nothing you need to do. Like, it's just like, be here, kind of like be here now, like, right. Like connect. Be here now, beauty. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're like, you're beautiful because you're here and you're you and like, you're in your body and you know, like, and embracing all of that and embracing nature is what makes you beautiful. Um, so yeah, I think it's the most like empowering message. Like, yes to like men, because I think we all need this, but to women who Mm -hmm. I feel like have been so disconnected and like, and so um, felt unworthy, maybe, to feel yeah. Well, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of feelings of unworthiness and a lot, but we also have been marketed to that. There's like a whole sort of marketing cultural setup for the unworthiness. And, you know, none of us were born unworthy and we're on our way to worthiness. We're born mm-hmm. worthy. Right. Absolutely. And we, it's time for us to give our beauty, the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. It's so beautiful. Okay. So I want to talk about, um, maybe you're like keystones for the best skin ever, because I talk mm-hmm. a lot about skincare with my people. Um, mm-hmm. and I love your products like best skin <laughs> ever see Buckthorn. That's like my girl, like yeah. she and I, <laughs> uh, so yeah, just maybe I feel like, yeah, we're beautiful because we're us and well-being. I feel like is our birthright. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, what do you feel like the cornerstones of beauty and the best skin ever are? Well, yeah, I think feeling good in our skin is is a good thing and it does feel good. And I love it when we get emails about that, whether it's like, oh, thank you. You know, my cystic acne is gone or I feel like I can leave the house now without makeup. All these things are just really good when we can feel more confident on a deep level not just like a superficial confidence and so if there is an imbalance in the skin I feel like it can throw us all off because you just it's you know especially if it's on the face you're like you know it feels so obvious Mm -hmm. um and definitely our skin is our largest organ it's the thing that's like communicating with us in the outside world and our skin's also communicating with the insides of our body Mm -hmm. and so we do want to feel good in it and we do need to take care of it What we also may not know is as we're filled with millions of cells, we're also filled with billions of bacteria. So we're basically this like bacterial banquet that we're the hosts of this party. 
Right. And, you know, we've got to provide a good environment for the bacteria and we don't want to provide a party for pathogens to do their activity. So the microbiome, I'm sure a lot of people know about the gut microbiome, which is very key. And then we have a mouth microbiome and there's like a nose one, oral one, there's a vaginal microbiome. Um, but the, but besides the gut, the next most important microbiome, it, well, they're all important, but is the skin. Mm-hmm. And so we want to take care of that. And we actually want to allow our bacteria to help us with our beauty and to help us be the beautician. So we kind of have to step back. We have to kind of get out of the way a little bit, uh, away from our, you know, 12-step regimes of like harsh alcohols and sodium lauryl sulfate and petroleum-based creams. And um, one way, one thing I, I like to share with people is an easy way to think about this is to stop, seal, and seed. So for stopping, we want to stop with those harsh chemicals to deal with acne. We want to stop washing our face with surfactants like sodium lauryl sulfate and different foaming cleansers. Because now that we understand more about the microbiome, what researchers have been able to study and see is that when we wash with surfactants and somehow we've got this idea that we need to be squeaky clean and often that's chemically squeaky clean. And um, so they can see under microscope that's um, micro scopic splinters are are left from the surfactants in the top layer of the skin <gasps> in the stratum corneum and they don't rinse away after washing they just mm-hmm. slowly and microscopically build up over time so then months years down the road you know you've got dry patches melasma dandruff on the scalp you know a whole it's going to manifest differently for different people mm-hmm. and so we we want to stop washing our face with those harsh cleansers. We Is want to anything stop. that lathers, does that have that those surfactants? Yeah, in? that's basically okay. it. anything that lathers, lathers. So even like because we do, you know, soap is useful. We definitely want to be washing our hands, especially these days. And we want to use that, you know, for pits and bits, I say, but not we don't need to soap our like thigh and, you know, our arms and all that, our breasts, yeah. our face. I've been doing that, yeah, since, like, yeah, coming into contact with your work is just, like, pits and privates. That's what I'm, yeah. like, about washing. But, like, everything else, yeah, I think we strip away and strip away and strip away. Yeah, and then we're messing with the lipid barrier. And then, you know, and then we're all in a bit of a vicious cycle because we've used something very harsh to cleanse. And then we're trying to put the moisture back in with some kind of petroleum gross or, like, you know, soy oil or who knows what or rancid grapeseed oil. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and then we're trying to compensate for the, um, for those surfactants. Then we may be doing special treatments for like a scar area or melasma area or acne with some whole other range of chemicals. And then we're really messing with the microbiome. We're mutating microbes. We're disrupting their food supply, which sounds a bit gross, but they do need it. And, um, you know, when we, when we over exfoliate, for example, um, or we touch that top layer, it's kind of like leaving to go on vacation with the front door open. We're really leaving our facial skin vulnerable. Yeah, really susceptible. Yeah. Which is so interesting because in aesthetic school, that's what you do. It's like when you exfoliate, it promotes cell turnover. So it's like you want to get like exfoliating and ex- like as much as your yeah. skin can handle, right? To the point where we're like putting chemicals that make your skin yeah, that peel off and the red. And yeah. Like- and then you then you have issues going in the skin. So when we over exfoliate and that's 
doesn't have to be done chemically. It could be done. Well, I don't mean chemically, chemically, but maybe it's just have like an scrub or, you know, something like that, not like a chemical peel. Um, so we do, we leave the, so we leave also the, hopefully your body, first of all, if it's not turning over cells properly, like maybe there's a lymphatic stagnation or something, right? So like, let's look at the root of that. Um, but generally speaking, most, you don't, you know, before we go to bed, we don't have to think about what we have to do the next day and then also make sure our cells are turning over properly on our face. Yeah. Luckily we get out of the way. The body does all of that for us. So when we over exfoliate, we leave the young cells underneath way too vulnerable without the microbiome that they need to, to grow into the next phase. So, and we need them coming into that top phase into the stratum corneum layer, like, you know, happy and not like weak and fragile and vulnerable because we, you know, took off the swaddle too early and made them get exposed to the elements too soon. Mm -hmm. And so when you, so for sealing, it's like letting, so stopping is just stopping a lot of those practices that we all were told to be good girls, you know, when we were 12. Yeah, throw it out. Do Mm -hmm. all that stuff, uh, which basically just making young women become awesome consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we want to seal. So you know, in the guts, there's leaky guts and those need to be sealed because you don't want to have a leaky gut. And so we can have leaky skin. You can have like weepy eczema or acne or different things like that. So that's when you want to stop using the soap and to seal the skin, you start washing with oil. You could use a jojoba or an organic olive oil. And as you mentioned, we do what I've designed and formulated is our best skin ever's, which are just beautiful. And um, so you just, you just take, um, (laughs) A cloth, just like we um, sell these beautiful organic hemp, like Terry face cloths. It's the texture of pretty much any classic face cloth. That is enough for your daily exfoliation. Mm-hmm. So you wet a spot of that, you put on a squirt of the of the best skin ever, and then you just, you know, massage that, wash your face, and makeup lifts off, that kind of thing. Obviously, if you want to re- remove mascara, you could wet a cotton pad and then put a squirt of oil on and then remove makeup. Um, men can use it, men can use it as an aftershave, but basically that's what you're using to wash. Then you can, so you do that thing with a the cloth, then you rinse with water, and then for moisturizing, you can just use one more squirt of that. And it can be that simple, one bottle to do it all. Mm-hmm. And that and alone is just so transformative. Yeah, what I love though about your products, like they smell wonderful and they <laughs> smell like, I think what you were saying going back to like your perfume, you know, days, Yeah. Um, is that when you smell them, you're like, oh, like this is something different. You know, like this isn't, yeah. I think I think you're then able to go back to maybe you're like, artificial ingredients and like you know like chemically formulated things and you're like this smells wrong you know but we're so disconnected so like putting those products on my skin I think it reconnects me to my skin because I do more of like a facial massage and I'm like kind of greeting each spot of my face with my hands and connecting you know and kind of like Mm -hmm. communicating with it and it becomes this really like beautiful ritual every morning and night that I'm like connected to my body and like the same thing that goes on my face can go on my body and vice versa right where we're taught that like no you have this and this and this for this part of your body and you have a hand cream and you you know it's just yeah it's really silly it's consumerism, but it's, yeah, totally. We, we all got tricked. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we make so many beautiful things because also people love it and they don't want to veer from living libations, you know? So, um, like we had so many requests for a cuticle oil and I was like, but you know, you could just use the best can ever, but we made it, but really, you really can find these gems in our line that really could just simplify it and do it all, Absolutely. which I love the simplicity. Cause in my 
my one in my quest in this beauty journey, uh, one of the questions I'm always asking is, what can I not do? Like, really? Mm-hmm. You know, do I have to cut my hair? Like, what can I not do in the maintenance realm? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I love having a bath and massage. I like the simple things, but mm-hmm. I don't want to have to like, you know, maintain my beauty mm-hmm. for decades. I remember something about, I love Dolly Parton. She's so rocking. And I just remember there was something, she, some interview I heard when I was a kid, I think it was about 14 or 15. And she just said, you know, I, I wake up early and I make sure like I've got all my, all my makeup on before I see my husband and stuff. And that's totally cool. But I just thought in my head, I was like, oh, I just, I can't have that much maintenance. You know, I just remember that being my only thought of like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. And also, yeah, just having to feel like not even like a mask of makeup, but just having to wear like a mask, right? From like who we really are and feeling like who you are is unacceptable to where you have to like cover things up or emphasize things in order to be like beautiful and seen and worthy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's fun that we have all that sort of like if we can keep it in perspective. But how cool to not need it. Exactly. To not rely on it. Yeah. Or to feel like, oh my God, if I answer the door without, you know, makeup on, I'll be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, A question that somebody asked um, that wanted an answer from you is that, so there was two things that came up actually. Um, The first was that in Utah, there are two very big essential oil companies. I'm sure you've heard of them. I don't know. (laughs) I I don't even want to say their name. Actually, I'm going to say their names. Just... (laughs) Um, so there's Young Living Farms and then there's doTERRA in mm-hmm. Utah. Like These are like the hubs. So there I said it. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people around here kind of get their essential oils from them. And I'm not even trying to like yuck anyone's yum at all. But people <laughs> have sent in questions um, asking, how are yours different? Because the oils that they've come in contact with are irritating to their skin and cause like major breakouts or flare ups or, you know, mm-hmm. redness or something. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, for sure. So I've, I've been procuring my beautiful essential oils way before uh, those MLM companies existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had relationships with my distillers. And it's rare that I get a new one, but for over 25 years, which is kind of crazy. Um, so we really know the source of it. Now, before all that, um, what I was seeing when I was in the when I was in university, I'm bringing in essential oils from all around the globe. And I would get, bring in ones that I already had, like, or I could easily get because I was only, there was the the lines that were available at the health food store back then, which I think was like or acacia, um, which was fine. But then I would get in these other ones, which could, could just be something very common, like a, a tea tree or a bergamot or a ylang or like a just a simple lemon. And they were worlds apart. And it was like, that's when I really started understanding sort of the fine wine of it all and really seeing like how the quality of a distillation is affected by, you know, the country it came from, uh, the climate, the soil, the, the way it's being distilled, the temperature it's being distilled, the length it's being distilled. So, you know, and, and before even then in the 90s, there was because aromatherapy, right, was it, people have been using essential oils kind of in the modern times since like the 50s and 60s, more in Europe. Even at that time, there was all kinds of adulteration because it's not like all the essential oils in the world were just made for the sweet aromatherapists of the world. That's like probably 5% of the industry back then. The, all those oils were made for the food and flavor industries, which are, are huge industries. 
And sometimes they need real raw material to then synthesize or to then extract. So to make, you know, to take the isolate of menthol out of peppermint. So the craft of adulterating and making nature identicals and making synthetic versions or, you know, adding a a distillate uh, part of the citral from a lemongrass to make it smell like lemon balm, Melissa, because Melissa is is an expensive oil, but it smells just like a many lemon product. Like it doesn't smell like it it is as expensive as it is, so to speak. Um, So it's very often one that can get uh, adulterated. Or you could even have something like a eucalyptus that isn't ex- that expensive in the scheme of things, but it is so adulterated because it's, you know, that, that eucalyptus camphorous note is, is very popular in the world. So there are many ways to, that, that a normal nose wouldn't necessarily pick up. But even back when I had my store, I would have people come in and be like, oh, hey, what about this or what about that? And we just we decided to do like kind of the Coke Pepsi challenge and I would wrap up the bottles or, you know, even put them in. So they had the same bottles and then people would do smell tests between very, you know, marjoram or frankincense or lemon or, or our peppermint. And they always chose ours because they really got to know the subtle nuances that make a genuine distillation genuine. So for that, A, I know all my distillers, there's nothing between me and our distillers. And because there is so much adulteration going on, which we, you know, because generally essential oils should be diluted to put on the skin, depending on where you're putting it, but also a lot of them should be pretty safe to put on undiluted, like a frankincense or a tea tree or um, a peppermint or a lavender. So mm-hmm. the, generally speaking, they should not be burning the skin, but they may have been adulterated somehow. So we also put all our, we put, we send all our oils off to a lab and get them third party tested. Cause we do get lab results from the distillers, of course. And then of course it has to pass through my nose. Um, and then, you know, and then we just do the labs and we, we put them up by every essential oil on our website. Yeah. Oh, and we have quite a lovely collection. I think one of the most You extensive. absolutely do. Yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> nothing like it at all. Um, and then the second question kind of going along with what we just talked about, and maybe it's the same, mm-hmm. is that I've had people, because I've shared your um, best skin ever oils a bunch just on my feed. And <laughs> people have said like, I've tried to do oil cleansing and it like my skin freaked out. Yeah, and they're, I, I'm yeah. sure they're doing something from like Sephora or Derm store or something like that. Yeah. So could, yeah, could you speak to, is it the same thing that like they're maybe adulterated well, or well, is your skin think, kind of a detoxing process? Like what happened? Sure. Okay. There could be a detoxing process, but I really, from what I've seen, that's very, very rare. Uh, even though there's a lot to detox when you're switching what generally if it's just oil if you if it's just like i've tried oil cleansing in general oh my gosh first yeah first of all so many of those products are made with petroleum derivatives it won't say like petroleum on it it will be like cuz there's about 50 different names for all the ways you can use pro, uh, petroleum in skincare so a just the it could be a mineral oil it could be a soy based oil it could just be her like you know, feel free to send ingredients in and I could tell you exactly what's wrong with it all. And mm-hmm. then let's just say it's in the natural realm. You know, then there's a, a, a quality issue. Like, is that real? Like we talked about with adulteration, but more often than not, it's like, is it just friggin' rancid? Excuse my language. But, oh, yeah. you know, is it is it grapeseed oil, which is just, you know, use solvents are used to extract it. Otherwise, it would be like very thick and green and murky. 
Um, and it just goes rancid so fast, but it's a cheaper oil or almond or apricot kernel. These all go rancid quite quickly. Um, and it's not the same as a beautiful organic olive oil. Again, olive oil can be adulterated for sure too. That's another topic. But if you have a true olive oil, um, but what we use and what I find pretty much even natural companies don't use is jojoba oil. Mm -hmm. And generally it's not used that widely because it's the one of the most expensive oils. Mm -hmm. um, or if it is used, let's say in a commercial product, it's usually like deodorized, winterized. It's like, you know, made basically like a bleached oil. So you have something clear, but true jojoba is this beautiful golden liquid. Mm -hmm. And the thing that makes it so different than other oils, which are generally all seed oils, is that um, jojoba is a liquid wax. It's actually not a quote unquote oil, mm -hmm. it's it's liquid. And it, it is like the, of all the beautiful fatty oils on the planet is the most akin to our sebum. Mm -hmm. So it's very good at, at lifting up sebum, sebum and dissolving sebum in the pores because it really mimics our skin. So that's the foundation for all of our beautiful best skin evers and our serums because jojoba is just great for any skin type. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just so beautiful and it never goes rancid because you don't want to put rancid things on your skin that's an immediate journey to free radicals mm -hmm. and oxidization so that's why I'm finding it's just like it's it's interesting because I just whenever I'm reading labels either people just aren't even thinking about quality and it's totally synthetic or then you're like okay it's natural but you you can see or smell that the quality choices are not being made Interesting. Okay, so good. And to yeah, know. so with that, you, yeah, I don't think oil cleansing will be successful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, try a best skin ever, or, you know, just seriously, you know, if you invested in a beautiful bottle of, you know, olive oil or organic jojoba, that would just last you forever and you could just put aside all that other stuff. Yeah, beautiful. Okay. The last thing that I wanted to talk about is, and this is something that's transformed my world as well because <laughs> of like, not even what I was just taught in aesthetic school, but what everyone teaches everywhere is that the sun is our enemy <laughs> um, and to like hide yourself from the sun. So I want to talk to you about how to reconnect with nature and what that can look like and how to be, and how to like trust nature again. Yeah, those are good questions. Um, well, one thing I talk about in my book is uh, something I made, a word I made up called cosmoetics, which is... You know, I think with beauty, we often think, okay, it's just, I'll get one more bottle. This will be it. It'll be the magic bullet. And it's just like, and we, we're very much uh, trained, so to speak, in applying beauty and thinking it's something that we're going to apply. Whereas I'm really into like, let's bring it out from the inside. And to me, the other part of that equation is nature. And if you kind of, what is nature? It's really the elements. So it's our relationship to water, air sun and the gifts from the earth so with the gifts from the earth we've obviously got all of our beautiful food and the beautiful botanicals like jojoba that we can put on our body air you know we got to get fresh air we got to go outside you can you can even you know because we're all in quarantine right now can open up those windows and just get fresh air like you know um Benjamin Franklin used to just get down to his birthday suit and just sit in front of the window mm -hmm. and have his air baths. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's important. And then, of course, there's the sun, 
which, yes, we have been lobbied into this loss of sunlight and that if we are to engage, we have to have chemical sort of prophylactics to save us from the solar rays. And I have a dedicated whole chapter to this in Renegade Beauty because I think it's such a key and important subject. Um, you know, I think by now there's over 3,000 studies that show that we need sufficient vitamin D to, you know, mitigate uh, uh, lots of diseases, including the current virus that's going around. That's some of the, there has been um, solid studies showing that if our vitamin D levels are sufficient, then we will, you know, maybe not catch it. Or if we do, the symptoms will be much less severe. So often I get asked, well, can we just take vitamin D supplements and then just, you know, forget about putting the sun on our skin? And vitamin D supplements are good. It's something we know we generally need in households, especially if you go through a winter period like we do up here in Canada. Um, but our skin, what we don't know is that our skin, or hopefully what we, what we can know, or I think we can feel out the truth, because I think a lot of people feel better on sunny days or when they just you know, after a long winter feeling that sun on your skin, it's so beautiful. And what if we, when we just look at, at our bodies, we can learn that our skin was designed to be exposed to and to engage with solar rays. Um, a lot of beautiful chemical actions happen in the body that we need. So when we engage with the sun on our skin, we actually cr create a different type of cholesterol sulfate. It's a different type of vitamin D. It's a water-soluble D that cleanses the blood, and the stuff that we're taking at, from the health food store is a fat-soluble vitamin D. So it's a different vitamin D gets created. We also get to generate all these antimicrobial peptides, which are super important for the immune system. It also helps to regulate sex hormones, and it's like this liquid lubrication from the inside out. And we have thousands of vitamin D receptors all over our body and in our skin that literally need to see that sunlight to get uh, vitamin D brimming into those vitamin D uh, receptors. When our, for short, they're called VDRs. When the VDRs are not brimming with vitamin D, bacterial lingons, which are these sticky things that, that really short circuit our immune system, they can come in and they fill up the VDRs. And then like, you know, that's kind of, uh, that's a moment that your immune system kind of crashes. And so it's really neat now because we have the science that's that's showing us why a hundred years ago they were using the sun to, for things like Epstein-Barr vi virus or tuberculosis or wounds or rickets or arthritis, all that kind of stuff. There was and they actually, were just sitting in the sun for... Yeah, they're sitting in the sun. There was even healing clinics in Switzerland, which you can look up really neat pictures on Google. Lisanne, Switzerland, Dr. Auguste Rollier, Google images. You can see these hospitals up in the Alps where they had like beautiful decks and there are all these hospital beds outside. Kids are wearing these sort of like little diapers and, you know, in the snow getting sun exposure. And you can see some even before and after pictures with kids that had like um, bone deformation and rickets and um, and then seeing them like it's black and white photos, but like healthy glow and like sitting up straight. It, it's pretty sweet. And even in 1902, the Nobel Prize was given for for heliotherapy, which is sun therapy. So it is how did, we get, how did we get disconnected from that? Like, how well, I think because chemicals came in, right? I feel like really like sort of the 40s on, they were before that, but I feel like then, right, better chemicals for better living or something, right? We were like, let's make disposable 
cutlery and plates and cleaning items. And you know what I mean? I think, I think it just really, we just went there. And um, so besides all the toxicities in sunscreens, like oxybenzene, which is not carcinogenic until it's exposed to sunlight, besides oh. all the proven studies have shown it takes a toll on your liver, some can create birth defects or infertility and on and on it goes. Um, one major issue with sunscreen is that it filters the sun's rays. So all you're getting is a UVA ray. When we just get the UVA ray, that's actually on its own isolated. That's a sun damaging ray. It needs its ultraviolet partner UVB to deliver, like the UVB delivers the vitamin D. So A, with sunscreen, you don't get any vitamin D. And then B, you're getting just the, the ray that creates damage because it's without the B ray. Like, it, you so know, we want full spectrum exposure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like very... double whammy because we're putting all of these totally. like carcinogenic ingredients when exposed to the sun yeah. on our skin. And then yeah. we're only getting, you know, half of what we need. We're getting that UVA without the B creating more damage. Like, it's just this, I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And the coral reefs are dying. And still, that may be not enough, Well, you know, where you think, well, but still, like age spots and wrinkles. So, or skin cancer. What do you say to the person who's like, I got skin cancer and my doctor had to cut it out and he said it was from the sun. Like, what about that? Yeah. Well, of course they're going to say it's from the sun because that's what they say. But in my book, um, it's, it's, uh, I go through studies from the New England Journal of Medicine and the Cochrane Review and all kinds of studies. And I really look at the work of, of Dr. Bernard Ackerman, who was a dermatopathologist. He was the founding father of dermatopathology, which is more serious than dermatology because it's about the it's like more severe disease stuff and he was right on into tanning he died in late in like I think it was about 209 so this is not that old and he has a book that's quite thick several hundred pages and it's called myth on myth um something like myth on myth sunshine and melanoma and he goes through it all. So, I mean, just, it's a hard book to find now, but you can find it. It's a little bit of an investment, but I love it. He goes just so deep in. Um, so really what we're understanding and from the studies I have in my book is that the studies show the closer you are to the equator, the more sun exposure you have and the more recreational sun exposure, the less chances you are of getting melanoma. Now there's three types of skin cancer, of course, and they all behave quite differently. So it's, it is hard to generalize, but also those studies showed that with the use of sunscreen, there was more freckles, more moles, more, more carcinoma. So that's kind of insane as well. So obviously, and we don't want to get burnt. You don't want to, you know, get burnt by the sun. But when we also wear sunscreen, we're literally taking away our sun's warning system, which our is our body's get, warning sign. Yeah. yeah. If you're getting yeah. pink, your body's like, I've had enough. Time yeah, to go and then you go inside. Yeah. So if you, you know, if it's still feeling a bit awkward to do like your face, I mean, just, you know, you can cover that with a hat. You can get all the rest of your body done, the sides, the front, the back, and feel that and feel your health improve, feel your skin tone improve. And then also in the book, I go through really what are the actual, the, in our culture right now, the causes of wrinkles and melanoma are um, you know, the results from eating rancid polyunsaturated fatty acids are such a harbinger of age spots. So that's like, so like mazzola, anything processed. Yeah. Like yeah. Mazzola canola, mm -hmm. which really can be, if you're eating processed food, those kind of fats can be 20% of the 
you know, whatever the, the calories, not that I even like the word calories, but you know what I mean? It could be 20% of that food formula. And so I go through studies that showed, you know, on rats and different things about eating. It's yeah, it's not good. So also we got to think about what are we bringing to the sun? Mm-hmm. Are we bringing up our, you know, Coca-Cola fluid bodies with, you know, all these, you know, with Mazzola inside and then like frying that in the sun too. So oh, that's we want to, I you know, we think about yeah, that. Yeah. We want to kind of stay hydrated. It's great to have things like a drop of chlorophyll in your water in the sun because it's our form of photosynthesis mm. and, and it's a relationship that we're having. So we want to do our part as well, but it's definitely um, life-changing when you can, when you can feel the truth of it and then experience the truth of it. And then it's Mm -hmm. also like this great, beautiful, free, cheerful, like such immune strengthening, beautifying element that's just out there waiting for us to engage. Absolutely. So beautiful. Would you recommend that people just start spending like a little bit time, a little bit of time in the sun as they're building up like this relationship with it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and a lot of the things I'm talking about, well, it's all in lots in my book. And we also have a lot of articles on our site and we also do, you know, you can email us any question at all. And we also do free consults with our, with uh, people that have educated and trained. And if they ever get stumped, they always ask me. So we're really we're really here to help people understand it because I know I can, you know, drop a lot of information. So yeah. I have an article on their site about like easing into the sun and, and how to interact with the sun wisely. But for sure, like if, you know, now's a great time as we're going into fall too, because it's like a gentler sun. Um, and you want to just, you know, generally I say start slowly, but surely and start in the spring and just like depending, you know, if you're a redhead that hasn't seen the sun in 20 years, you know, you can start with five, 10 minutes a day. But remember to rotate like five, 10 minutes aside and you just build it up. There's also an app called D-Minder and you, it, you can plug in your longitude, latitude and it will take the weather that day and then say, OK, you need like half an hour right now to get like 200 IU of vitamin D. Oh, so cool. D-Finder? Yeah. Okay. Or D-Minder. D-Minder. Oh, D-Minder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Yay. Yay, yay, yay. Um, okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Nadine. How can everyone get in touch with you and your brand, Living Libations? Where can they find you? Well, you can totally find us on livinglibations.com and you can drop us an email at sage at livinglibations.com if you have questions or you want to set up a consult. And then I've got my book, which is on the website or wherever books are. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all the classics like Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like I said, your book was an absolute spiritual experience for me. And I know a lot of my listeners are into that. So definitely recommend everyone look it up, look up Nadine. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was such a delight talking to you. Wasn't Nadine one of the most magical human beings you've come in contact with? Because I know she absolutely was for me. Um, Before I close out of this podcast, I just wanted to read a little excerpt from her book. In the beginning of my conversation with Nadine, I talk about this kind of prayer she offers in Renegade Beauty and how like just transformative it was for me. Um, So I just want to read a little bit out of her book. She says, inhale, exhale. Wherever you are at with your body, it's all right, always, as the benediction is where you are. 
The benediction of beauty begins by surrendering the how and blossoming into the expense of now. Unconditional acceptance of who you are, what you are, and where you are aligns your heart and mind. Appreciation is the exquisite, all-accepting song that attunes your body to you. Appreciation is the elixir of the adrenals, soothing the source of substance of the kidneys. In appreciation, we live in gratitude of the gift of our body, an elegant instrument to live in. In meeting life, we turn to face the sun as flowers do and experience the eternal dew that everlastingly renews. Her prayer is this, I want to feel the divine pouring through me in every moment. Watch bees sipping juice from flowers. Do that with the mystery of presence. Let your body become honey made from that sipping. We are the unlimited wine you dream of, the reviving light. As you restore that in yourself, you will find fulfillment in every pleasure you pursue. This is her invitation to illumination, and she says, Enter in to your skin, ever into the formless wisdom of your heart and mind, inhaling, exhaling. I appreciate my spirit that brings beauty into my being. I appreciate my heart that lifts to the pulse of loving, bringing beaming radiance to my face. I appreciate my mind's creativity, clarity, and innocence. I appreciate my lungs and chest that fill with breath, energizing my body. I appreciate my thyroid that balances my being. I appreciate my bone strength and mineral-rich marrow. I appreciate my liver's fuel and all the substances it filters. I appreciate my blood and lymph's ceaseless circulating flow. I appreciate my mitochondria and the wilderness of cells that lights my body's waves. I appreciate my microbiome's design of diversity that is the terrain of immunity. I appreciate my billions of beneficial bacteria that take care of me so beautifully. I appreciate my kidneys essential offerings of vital energy. I appreciate my stomach and intestines that deliver zest for life. I appreciate my playful flexibility and moving muscles. I appreciate my spine that is a scepter of my sovereignty. I appreciate my nerves nestled in their tranquil sensory web. I appreciate my veins, verve, and vigor. I appreciate my eyes' clear luminosity and my ears that hear melody. I appreciate my nose and its ability to delight in a rose. I appreciate my mouth that expresses the beauty of my heart and mind. I appreciate my, mo my molecules of bliss that rain from the hypothalamus of my brain. I appreciate my endocrine glands and hormones that harmoniously secrete vital essences. Embraced by the, fra the fragrance of grace, my health flourishes in the wisdom of security and uncertainty. With each breath, 
I inhale the unknown and welcome it as a source of strength and nourishment. I revel in the infinite intelligence expressed by the deity of spontaneity in every cell and organ. I am thankful for all of my relationships and my relationship to creation, to the elements, and to the cosmos of all living things. I am thankful for the infinite stream of well-being that flows to me and through me. With my heart enraptured and spirit enthralled, I invite beauty to be my guide, to be my weaver of my thoughts and speech. My day-to-day play with providence is a revelrous reception and banquet of beauty that infuses me with the joy juice of love. Oh, you guys, so beautiful. With that being said, I would admonish you to purchase Nadine's book, Renegade Beauty. Like I said, it was biblical for me. It was spiritually enlightening. It was transformative. It was the dose of medicine I needed to heal my relationship with beauty. I will link that book in the show notes as well as a few of my favorite products from Living Libations. You guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here today. I love you and I will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Cafe Binge Podcast. Until next time, may you notice all the wonderful, beautiful, binge-worthy parts of your day. Squeeze out every last drop, taste them, cherish them, because life was meant to be beautiful. Find me at cafebinge.com or on Instagram at cafebinge.com.